name is Neil Middleton and every month we create informative content for you as we talk to important, influential and inspirational people from the world of bats as well as other areas of interest. To find out more about Batability, go to batability.co.uk. Now for the interview, let's do it. And hello everybody and welcome to another Talking Bat interview. And wow, today I have got the immense pleasure of speaking to a gentleman that I feel as if I have known in some shape or form for goodness over 25 years. But ladies and gentlemen, would you believe this is actually the first time today that I've ever actually spoken directly to Lars Peterson of Peterson Electronic in Sweden. Lars, how are you doing? I'm just fine, Neil. How are you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. good. I have been looking good. so forward to this for uh, quite a few weeks. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much for being here. Um, listen, I'm going to tell a little bit of a story, okay? I was, I was awake at three o'clock this morning, okay, in my bed, and uh, don't, don't, get, don't get too concerned, Lars, but I was awake this morning in my bed, and my wife was conscious that I was awake, and through her uh, tiredness, she said, Neil, are you all right? I'm going, yeah, yeah, I just can't sleep too good. And she kind of said, so what's up with you? I'm going, Lars Peterson, Lars Peterson, I'm getting to <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so uh, well, I'm quite sure you had a good night's sleep. Some, that's some start of the day. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, I'm, I'm well, I'm well up for this. Um, so you're in Uppsala in Sweden, is that right, Lars? That's right. That's right. Yeah, it, no, it's I, about uh, sixty kilometers north of Stockholm. Right, well, I am, I am so, because I only worked out where you were in Sweden uh, yesterday, and I'm kind of kicking myself because two years ago, uh, I went to Sweden with my wife for about five or six days, and we must have been about an hour, 90 minutes north of where you were. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I can't remember exactly where we were now. It was a place that began with B, Bonds, or can't remember, but anyway. Big, big town, about 90 minutes north of Uppsala. Um, okay. Yeah. So anyway, next time I come to Sweden, <laughs> with your permission. <laughs> yes, please drop by. You must yeah. do that, Neil. Yeah, yeah. maybe you can buy me a beer. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Or, or two. Or two. In fact, I, th- I, think, I think I seem to remember, uh, we had the correspondence about a year ago, when uh, you helped me out and... I mean, ladies and gentlemen, Lars is extremely helpful. I have found over the years that if you drop Peterson Electronic an email with a query, uh, Lars tends to respond very quickly and very thoroughly. And uh, and I haven't had cause to email you often, Lars, uh, but maybe the dozen or so times I have emailed you over the years, uh, you have always been uh, quick off the mark and extremely helpful. So I just want to say thank you for that right at the very top of the interview. Um, thank you. Yeah, but the last, but the last time AB corresponded on a technical issue, I think I said that I would buy you a beer if I ever met you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Lars somehow managed to negotiate with me that uh, in order to buy him a beer, I was going to have to also pay for flights to Scotland and the taxi. <laughs> So, I don't believe him. <laughs> yeah, so, so the beer was going to cost me, you know, quite a few hundred, quite a few hundred pounds all in all. But uh, so that's why I'm coming to Sweden, Lars. I think that would be yeah, cheaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to be a little bit more uh, on on cue now, Lars, and yeah. uh, and I'm going to start talking a lot less, and I'm going to start asking you a lot more about about yourself and your business and your products and all this kind of stuff. And I think, I think I want to start off by saying, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but Peterson Electronic must be one of the very first uh, proper manufacturers of 
bad detecting equipment on the planet. Now, is that just a European perception? I mean, you must have been very, very early entrance into this marketplace. Yeah, that, that's right. We were quite early. Um, the company was founded in 1983. And uh, I started working uh, in this area a few years before that. Um, but um, at, at that time, I think it was just us and the QMC, the British QMC company, who made bat detectors. So um, I, I, I started, should, should I tell you a little about my, my background, perhaps? Oh, please do, because I was yeah, about yeah. to ask sure. you know, how to, because you, you would have been, <laughs> yeah, you, you would have been, a, you know, I'm gauging we are not far away in terms of age. Okay, I'm, I'm late 50s, you don't need to say how old you are, uh, but, um, but, but you must have been quite young uh, when you started this, yeah? Um, yeah, I, I was about uh, 25 or so when, when, when I started working this. It was in the late 70s and, and I was a PhD student at the Institute of Technology of Uppsala University. And I was offered to work on a project uh, dealing with technology to study ultrasonic bat calls. And uh, this project, it, it was proposed by, by Professor Ingemar Allen, who, as you may know, was one of the pioneers in, in uh, using bat calls for, for species identification. Yes, yes. And uh, fi finally, this project uh, led to a new type of, of bat detector. And, and in uh, order to, to start selling it to the interested uh, bat community, uh, I founded Peterson Electronics in, in 1983. So that, that was the start of it. I, I then I worked as a, as a lecturer. That was my main job. And, and the bat detector business was just a small side business, of course. Okay. But, but it grew okay. over the years and, and uh, eventually I, I left the academic world and, and started uh, working with, with the bat detectors only. And that's where we still are. Yeah, and that is, that is amazing. Uh, that really is amazing. I hadn't appreciated, a, you know, that, you know, the, you know, the background prior to that. Uh, and that mm. is so, so interesting. And uh, so I suppose, as you're suggesting there then, um, the business initially uh, would have just it would have just been a careful gradual uh, development. It wasn't that you were putting all of your eggs into one basket and taking a massive no, no. risk initially. Yeah. No, it it grew it grew uh, slowly, I, and I think that's the best way to do it. So so uh, yeah, and and uh, I mean today we are. Uh, a small family business, actually. It's, it's from the beginning, it, it was just me, but, but now it's, it's myself and, and my two sons in the company. And, and then we, we are, of course, we, we collaborate with, with several other people helping us with, with uh, uh, product development, uh, product assembly, and, and, and so on. Okay, okay. And uh, is anybody in the business, because uh, when, when you're corresponding uh, in advance of doing this interview, um, you, you kind of said in the correspondence that you didn't leave you yourself as a, as a bat person. <laughs> I can't remember the, the exact words you used. I think, I think you were a little bit, con maybe not concerned, but I think you were just wanting to double check that I wasn't going to uh, get you to start analyzing lots of different bat calls or asking about different species. Um, but you must, you, must have, you must have some knowledge, uh, either individually or with your collaborators about this subject in order to understand the technology that's required in order to deliver what you do, yes? Yeah. Of course, of course I, I've gained some experience over these years, uh, but, but I, I believe what, what I said was that, that, that I, I'm not a biologist, I'm uh, more and more an, an engineer, uh, so so that's what I, how I look at myself. But but uh, I mean yes, of course it's important to to understand uh, all of the, the acoustic aspects of of uh, bat sonar and so on uh, in order to to uh, 
design these devices properly. If you're enjoying listening to our podcasts, perhaps you would also be interested in joining Batability Club. To find out more about Club, which includes hundreds of hours of accessible training resources available to you in your own time and at your case, go to batability.co.uk. Thank you. And when, when you do the design... Um, so, I mean, you, you buy, and we're going to talk about some of the detectors and the software uh, shortly. But, you know, let's, let's take the software for, for argument, uh, Lars. Do you build the software completely yourself, or do you have IT people and uh, more technical expertise that basically you have the ideas, but someone else then puts it together? I mean, how, how does that work? Yeah. Uh, to start, it, it has been different over the years. Actually, the, the very first software that we had, which was a very simple one, uh, uh, I, I wrote, I programmed that myself. Uh, but uh, eventually, I, I handed that part over to, to a professional programmer. So uh, the, the actual design of the program was made by myself. That is, I, I told him what to do, <laughs> but, but uh, I haven't done the actual programming. So, so that's, that's what it's like. Okay, and does that hold true for the hardware as well, the, the bat detectors? Um, well, regarding the bat detectors, I, I've done more of, of the actual design myself. Uh, and also, also there from, from the beginning, I did everything myself. Um, today it is more like, uh, well, 50-50, we, we sh share, share the development, myself and, and the consultants I'm, I'm hiring. Okay. okay. And your team, you said it's yourself and your two sons. Is, is, that, is that everybody that's directly employed in Peterson? Do you, do you have back office people, um, you know, admin people? Admin people, yes, we have one one admin pe uh, person, and uh, in addition to that, we we have uh, well, sort of like consultants who are not actually employed, but they they do work for us. Okay, wow, wow, okay, okay. So, um, what what do you do when you're not doing this? Then, I mean, do you do you have other interests and hobbies? Uh, you know, what what do you do on a day off? <laughs> uh, well, so, so some of my I, I don't I don't know if you can see what's behind me here, but yeah. I'm I'm, I'm a, a, a keen collector of old-fashioned reel-to-reel tape recorders. So okay. you see you see uh, one or a few of them <laughs> behind. Yes, me. yeah. So I'm, I'm very interested in in technology, both new and and old. Uh, I'm I, I love music, for instance. So, so that's. This, I'm sitting in the, the room where, where I uh, usually listen to, to music and, and watch films and so on. Okay, so what kind of music? What, what kind of music are you into? Yeah. Um, well, I was, I, I was, um, I was born in, in the mid '50s. Okay. So, so I mean, as you can imagine, I, I love '60s and '70s music a lot. Okay. okay. Uh, but, but I mean that that that's uh, it's hard to pinpoint anything uh, the rolling stones okay the doors yes. okay the, yeah. you know that kind of stuff the zappa mothers of invention yes of yeah. that favorite <laughs> wow. like that. okay yeah. okay well, well well i was born okay so uh, you know you, you, you know you're, you're slightly ahead of me but uh, yeah, yeah. i was born in the early 60s so uh Okay. You know, I mean, I was, uh, you know, a little bit like Led Zeppelin and the Genesis and Genesis. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Led Zeppelin, that's a favorite. Led Zeppelin's a favorite of mine, too. Really. Wow. wow. I've never seen them. I've never seen them live. Obviously, oh, yeah. uh, you know, I never saw them live when they were uh, together. But uh, I've got quite a few of their albums. But uh, mm. that's fascinating. And I can now understand. I can now see one of the real to reels behind you. I see what's going on there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I remember the one, my parents. The one in the corner, that, that's yeah. a British tape recorder. Okay. That is a British, yeah, it's a paragraph. 
<laughs> okay, yeah. Well, I remember when I was a wee boy, so maybe kind of three or four years old, uh, my mum and dad had something that looked a little bit like that. Um, oh, yeah. So for, for you young people that are listening, it's a little bit like a cassette recorder, but of course you young people don't even know what a cassette recorder is, but <laughs> YouTube it, okay? But, uh, it, but it's massive. I mean, the, the reels are kind of like this size. And yeah, yeah, the, yeah. And that actual tape deck, as you can see behind Lars there, I mean, you would have to carry it in a suitcase, some of these things. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah. Okay, uh, Lars, um, are you happy to move on and start talking about some of your products, yeah? yeah. Of course, of course. Yeah, okay. Right, so, uh, so as, as Lars was saying, uh, Peterson Electronics established in 1983, okay, and... Uh, that was before I got into bats. I got into bats about for oh, 27, 28 years ago. So, you know, that's, you know, 1983, that's, you know, that is pretty impressive. Uh, but of course, uh, in 1983, Lars, uh, what you were producing back then uh, didn't look anything like what we've got in the picture here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Not really. Am I right in saying you the very first bat detector you produced commercially? I think was called something like was it a D nine hundred or something? Uh, yeah, it was called D nine twenty actually. Twenty. Okay. That, that was the, first, the very first one. Yeah. Okay. And do you still have some of those for a. Uh, I have some. Uh, uh, I, I will. I, they're not quite functional, I think, but but it, it might be. I have several of them, and it might be possible to 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 uh, put together one functioning unit from them. And was that purely a heterodyne bat detector, or was it something else? No, it it was actually a frequency division detector, and and. Uh, what what was new with that one was that the as you may know the frequency division detectors or, or zero crossing detectors which are, are similar uh, tend to exclude the amplitude information from the signal that that was what uh, it had been before this D920 but with the D920 we we introduced um, a modified frequency division technology in which uh, the amplitude was retained. So, so that, that was one of the new things about this. But, but uh, very soon we uh, developed a new detector which incorporated both a heterodyne and this frequency division system. And of course, having developed frequency division, you would have then needed software in order to look at what had been recorded. Uh, so was that some software around at that point or were people using no. something else? Yeah. No, it was, uh, I mean, at that time there, there were very few programs for sound analysis that there weren't even sound cards with the computers. So uh, I, I think you mentioned 900 and I think what you may have been after was, was a system that we called the LP 900, which okay. consisted of okay. both software and a hardware unit with which you could transfer recorded sound, uh, sound bad, bad sounds to uh, the computer and, and finally look at it uh, through the program. Yeah, wow, wow. So let's, let's fast forward now uh, to uh, 2020, <laughs> which, uh, you know, pretty amazing. And, uh, and we've now got products here, which we're going to look at individually in a minute. And, and I've, got, I've got to say, when, when you look at the, I mean, let, let's forget about what these products do for the moment, but just looking at them, uh, you know, aesthetically, I think is the right word, you know, the touchy-feely, what they look like, uh, the quality of the build. I mean, these are, these are pretty impressive uh, looking, feeling products. Uh, did these all get manufactured in Sweden? We, we, uh, well, uh, it, it's done in, in um, uh, much of the assembly is done in Estonia. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, some, some products are, are entirely manufactured there. Uh, some of them we, we make the sort of final assembly in, in Uppsala. 
and okay. uh, yet, yet, yet some other models are, are indeed entirely manufactured in, in Sweden. So, so it's a mixture. A mixture. Well, I mean, I always look at your products and, and I always feel uh, that you know, a lot of thought has been put into them and they always feel robust. You know, they don't, um, you know, they, they don't feel as if they're going to break easily, for example. <laughs> and uh, and sometimes, sometimes that's a struggle with people that are trying to build these things because they get used in the dark, obviously. They get used in all kinds of weather conditions. They get thrown into rucksacks and stuff yeah. like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's look at uh, these are two products or two of the products that have been around for uh, quite a bit of time now, I suppose, relatively speaking. Um, on the left, we've got the D100, which is purely a heterodyne bat detector, and on the right, we've got the D240X, which is a heterodyne time expansion time expansion. A combo bat detector. Do you want to tell us a little bit about these machines, uh, Lars, before we then move on to uh, the more recently developed stuff? Yeah. Well, as you said, the D100, that, that is a, a simple, basic entry-level detector, heterodyne-only detector, very popular and uh, robust, easy to use, and, and popular amongst our, our customers, suitable for, for Oh, well, le less demanding work, uh, like bat walks or uh, well, various amateur work. Um, uh, incidentally, you mentioned that, that it must have been around for quite some time. It has indeed been around for quite some time. Uh, I was the other day looking at uh, our, our old price lists uh, because I thought we, we haven't changed the price on the D100 for quite quite some time yeah. and it turned out that we, we hadn't raised the price for the last 25 years. What? Wow! Okay. There you know it, it's older than 25 years. Wow, wow. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I find Explain, you know, I mean, I suspect I know the reason, but uh, some other people listening maybe won't uh, know the reason. But it appears to have two microphones on the top of that detector. Do you want to explain the rationale behind that? Well, at, at first sight, it might seem it has two microphones, but it actually has three. Okay. Uh, there's a third one, but but it's a, it's a small one in the middle. That's that's one. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. So, and that that is actually the, the, the main microphone, <laughs> uh, which uh, takes most of the frequency range. And and the two separate microphones, that they are narrow band microphones. So, so they they focus on on a very small frequency range each of them. So so they they give a, a certain boost, increased sensitivity just around those two important frequencies. So the, the sensitivity is very good on, on this detector. And, and what would the bandwidth be? So if you were tuned in at 45 kilohertz for argument's sake, uh, how, what is the bandwidth either side of that on this machine? Is it quite a narrow bandwidth? Yeah. Yes, it's, it, it's, it's about plus minus four kilohertz. Okay. So, okay. so uh, you, you can hear a total of, of about eight, eight to 10 kilohertz. If, if you set it at 45, you will be able to listen from perhaps 40 up to 50 kilohertz. Okay, perfect, perfect. And that's, that's quite a narrow bandwidth compared to some other heterodyne bat detectors, I, I feel, yes. That's possible. I, I, haven't, I haven't studied my competitors' products that well, <laughs> obviously. Okay, okay. Uh, right, and the D240X, um, okay, so this is almost like the, the opposite end of the spectrum uh, when it comes to uh, cost for the, for the normal bat detectors, okay? Um, so this uh, D240X, you, I think I'm right in saying you can listen to time expansion and heterodyne at the same time in different channels, so in stereo headphones. Uh, you also have a, a commentary button where you can add voice notes. 
and okay you don't have gps with this and you need a separate digital recorder in order to uh, record the calls um but but this has been an extremely popular uh, bat detector over the years with the uh, serious researchers and consultants yeah. yes yeah. that that's right actually these two detectors are I think uh, the ones that that we uh, have sold most of, um, and and also the D two forty has been around for for quite some time, so so, uh, but but we still sell sell a lot of them. So so obviously uh, people like them a lot, yeah. and and uh, you mentioned you have to have a, a digital recorder to to record the time expanded calls. You can also use other recording devices. If, if you have a, a tablet, for instance, you can record on that. If, if you have a smartphone, you can even use that for, for making recordings. So ah, that, that may okay. simplify things a bit. Okay, of course. Uh, but of course, when you developed this machine, um, tablets and smartphones <laughs> didn't exist. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. No, it, that, that, back then it was cassette tape recorders we used. So yeah. that, that, that was quite differently. Yeah. And then we moved on to mini discs. I remember when mini discs yes, came on. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. And and how and how we were all we were all just amazed, you know, that we could use this thing called a mini disc and it was yeah. it was small and it fitted in your pocket yeah. and, and it even gave you track numbers, which was yeah. So we've all had to learn what a track number was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and again, I think some of our uh, younger uh, listeners are probably thinking, what are these guys talking about? <laughs> What's a mini disc? <laughs> <laughs> Google it, YouTube it. <laughs> yep. That's right. Okay, let's, uh, are you happy to move on, Lars? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So then we have this. Now, I remember uh, the previous version of this when it's uh, you know, it was built slightly differently. And I think I'm right at saying at the time when I first saw one of these, which might have been about, or well, might have been 15, 20 years ago uh, in, its, in its original design, uh, I think it was the most advanced, but also the most expensive bat detector that had ever been developed. And, and, and I'm going to tell you a little story about this, okay? Uh, I was in France doing some bat work with a friend and he took along a well-known French bat worker uh, uh, one night, you know, to introduce this person to me. I'm not going to mention the, other, the French bat worker's name. Um, and I took out my, uh, I took out my um, bat detector, which was a, a heterodyne bat detector. And this gentleman that we were with, he took out a camera case, you know, the kind of aluminium camera cases with the yeah, foam yeah. inserts. And he took out a camera case and I thought, what is going on here? <laughs> and, and he opened up the camera case and he had the, the earlier version of this sitting in the camera case. And and I knew what it was when I saw it, and I was just so envious. And uh, <laughs> and he even let me hold it for about five minutes, but that was as long as I got. Um, so anyway, tell us tell us a little bit about this machine because you must have been you must have been on a total high when you pulled all of this together into one unit like this, yeah. Well, it, it does contain a lot of things, I can tell you, and, and it took a lot of time to develop it. But, and this is, our, of course, our, our high-end model, and it's really full-featured with, with all the different uh, ultrasound systems like heterodyne, frequency division, and time expansion. And, and in addition to that, you can make direct full-spectrum recordings with it onto a, a memory card. So, so uh, full-featured it is, and uh, I think what, what makes this detector special uh, is, uh, or one of the things it, that makes it special is the microphone. 
the microphone is a very, very uh, good microphone uh, with a frequency response that is flatter than most bat detectors, uh, which means that it will be equally good at high frequencies as it is at low frequencies. The noise is very low in the microphone and together with, with the frequency response, this means that you will have exceptionally good high quality recordings from, from this detector. And, and you can capture, you can, you can make recordings at a much longer distance with this bat detector than, than with other ones. And, and uh, also uh, the fact that you can, you can uh, store the re recordings on, on uh, memory card is of course very convenient. So you can analyze it afterwards as in, in any program capable of, of analyzing standard wave files. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's, that, that's the, the main things about the D1000, I think. Yeah, I suppose well, one of the things when, when we're comparing this against uh, you know, some of the competitors' products, which I'm pretty certain wouldn't uh, produce the same quality of recordings uh, as you're describing there for the reasons you've described, but, uh, but, but some of these competitors' products now that are getting used in the UK, uh, they have things like inbuilt GPS, for example, um, I think it's fair to say this doesn't have that. Um, is it something you've considered going forward or is it, is it too complicated to put into it? I mean, what, what are you thinking? I, I think that uh, modifying this particular detector, the D1000 for, for that function uh, is not realistic, but uh, we are certainly considering it for, for coming versions of this detector or for, for other detectors. And I should mention that the D1000 does support uh, external GPS, so you can connect connect a, a G, separate GPS to the D1000. Right, and it, will, and it will, and the CF card will then pick up the GPS data, yes? That, that's right, yes. Perfect, perfect. Okay, thank you for that, 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 is, that, that is brilliant. Well, you know, this, this is a machine that for many, many years uh, I, have, uh, I have said to my partner, you know, she goes, what do you want for Christmas? I go, I want one of these. <laughs> but uh, but uh, as you probably appreciate, because you know a lot of people uh, in the, the bat world, Lars, and uh, I mean, I, I collect bat detectors. Like, um, I mean, I've got so many different bat detectors. And, yeah. And, and part of the reason for that is I train people on lots of different systems. So I've got to have these different systems and know these different systems. Um, and uh, my, my wife, Aileen, um, when I turn up with a new bit of a uh, kit, she just rolls her eyes and, why have you got that? I go, it's a bat detector. And she goes, you've already got 12 bat detectors. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Uh, but anyway, there we go. Um, yeah. Okay, so let's move on now. Now, this is the D500X, and I think this comes in a couple of different models, but this is, this is more designed for being left out in the field remotely to record for long periods of time. And I'm imagining it's full spectrum recordings, um, and they're all stored and internal memory cards or whatever. Do you want to talk a little bit about, about this one, Lars? Yeah, yeah that's, that's quite right what you said. And, and this is a, a very robust, robustly built detector uh, suitable for, for, uh, for, for harsh environments. Um, it it uh, is available, as you said, in two different models. Um, and uh, this is the classic, the Mark I model. There's also another Mark II model with slightly uh, different, um, well, it's slightly different built. Uh, the main difference is, is that this model uses an internal microphone uh, with the option to use an external microphone. The other version um, uses only external microphones, does not have an internal microphone and the other version also has larger batteries uh, offering longer recording times but you can all always use external battery with, with both both of these versions so you can get 
time, recording times of, well, se several weeks, months, if, if you want, if you have a large battery. So, I mean, th this, is, this is the detector we use for, for remote, remote recording or, or uh, unattended recording, I should say. Yeah. yeah. So in terms of just the standard batteries, so without the external uh, extra battery support, um, typically how many nights recording would one of these detectors give you? And I know it might depend on temperature and, and kind of the machine set to go on and go off, but on average, what are we talking? Uh, if you're using only the internal batteries, this model that we see here, should, should work for, for some, something like uh, four to five nights. Uh, okay. The other model with, with the larger batteries will work for, for uh, twice that, perhaps eight to 10 nights or so. But uh, above that, you should use an external battery. Okay. And this, there's three, I'm assuming these are ports for extra bits of kit to be added. Is this for the is this for the external microphones or the battery packs? What, what's what's going on up here at the top? That, that's right. Um, that, that's for for the external microphone. One of the one of them uh, and and uh, external battery. And the third one is for for external triggering. You can connect a, a, an electric signal to the detector to to trigger the recordings. Uh, that as an option more. I mean, the, the normal way of using it is, of course, that it, it listens uh, until the, there comes a, a, an ultrasound and then makes a recording automatically. But, but you can also connect any other electric device, uh, for instance, some, some kind of uh, uh, detector that, that detects uh, moving bats or anything and, and have that trigger the detector instead. Not, not very, very often used, I think. Yes, yes, okay. And these two, uh, these two, these two compartments that, here. Uh, what, what's what's happening here? What are these for? That, 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 that's for for the batteries. Ah, that's okay. for uh, AA batteries. Okay, okay. And can you set this up so it starts and stops recording at specific times? Uh, yes. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's up to four different times each uh, day and, and you can also set it up to automatically adjust the start and stop time relative to the sunset and sunrise. Okay, okay. So that means it must have some sort of, is there some sort of GPS built into it uh, or is that done on some software beforehand? Uh, no, I, actually, no. There, there's not a GPS built in, but, but you can enter the coordinates, the GPS coordinates, and, and from that the, the uh, sunrise and sunset is, is calculated. Brilliant, okay, thank you for that, thank you for that. Okay, let's move on to something else then, so BATSIM yeah. software. I, I've got to say, I mean, any, anybody that knows me, um, and lots of people thankfully uh, turn up on training sessions I do and workshops I do, and of course, there's the couple of uh, books that I've been involved with. And they, when I do the webinars on sound acoustics, unless it's specifically on, on a specific software package where I've, where I've then got to use that software package. Um, my, my first home for sound analysis is, it, it always has been, and it still is to this day, about sound software. I, I just find it, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why I'm so biased towards it, but I just like how easy it is to use. I like the fact that when the software's on, you get a massive a spectrogram screen or spectrogram oscillogram combo, if that's what you're looking for. Whereas in some of the other software packages, there is so much going on around about that the spectrogram is quite small in the middle and it's not as easy to you know, to uh, manipulate or, you know, focus on or, or whatever. So I make no apologies everybody for saying that, uh, you know, but it's certainly when it comes to training and describing calls to people and doing my own analysis of uh, individual calls recorded for argument's sake, uh, that sound is usually the first place I go. Um, 
But the software, this, this software has been around for some time, Lars. Yeah, I know it's gone through various improvements and updates. Do you want to just talk a little bit more about it? Yeah. Well, you, you've said a lot, and I couldn't say it better myself. I think this. I, I think the the, uh, the main advantage with with this program is that it's so easy to use. You just just launch it, and and then you get this uh, picture that we see right away, and and it's really easy to move move around. It's uh, intuitive, I think. Um, it, it's been around for quite quite a few years, as you said. And it, yeah, it was released in 1996, I think, or 95. Uh, so, so it's been around for, for some 25 years too, but of course have had uh, many new features added during those years. Um, it has, uh, apart from, from the screen we see here, uh, it has some uh, very useful specific uh, ultrasound or, or bat call features, like <clears throat> uh, if, if you have a time expansion detector, for instance, you have a compensation feature that, that uh, corrects the time and frequency axis on the diagrams. Uh, you have functions for, for automatically extracting uh, different features from the calls. Um, you can use our USB microphones connected to the computer and make recordings right uh, with uh, the bad sound software. So, uh, and, and it has a virtual bat detector. That's an interesting feature from the fi sound files that you have opened in bad sound. You can, you can listen to what this sound file would sound like through a bat detector, a heterodyne bat detector, yeah, yeah. useful for, for training. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, this is this is something, uh, and I don't, I don't know what your reaction to this is going to be because this isn't something that we've spoken about uh, previously. And I'm going to say I'm, I'm not saying that what I'm about to say is a bad thing, okay? But uh, there's no inbuilt auto classifier uh, on bat sound. And now I anybody that knows me and the stuff that uh, we do in bat ability. Um, they know that I describe filters and auto-classifiers uh, very, very carefully. And I always try and be reasonably balanced as to, you know, what they are useful for. But on the other hand, uh, I always say to people that just because an auto-classifier tells you you've got a certain species of bat, please do not believe it because quite often it's uh, maybe not even a bat for argument's sake. It could be some other noise that just happens to be at a similar frequency. So um, I'm very cautious when uh, I talk to people about auto-classifiers. But did you want to explain a little bit about, because, well, when you created bat sound to begin with, auto-classifiers wouldn't have even existed. <laughs> Nobody would have known how to do that. But a lot of your competitors' products now have these filters and stuff built in. Talk to me about this, this subject. <laughs> well, well I, I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, this is quite along the lines we have been thinking. Um, obviously, the, the, this thing about autoclassifiers is something that we have thought about. Uh, and I also agree that uh, to, for some species, they are quite all right, uh, quite reliable. For other species, they are not. So usually you end up with having to manually uh, classify at least a large portion of, of the recordings. Still, it can be useful for, for, for some applications. And, and we have been looking at this and uh, I, I, I hope I'm not saying too much, now, but I, I think that someday you will see something of that kind also from, from Peterson. Okay. okay, good. So just kind of watch this space, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now let's look at, well, I've called this ultrasound microphones, but I think it's more correct to call it USB microphones. Is that correct? 
Yeah, that's right. We have, we have other ultrasound microphones that are not USB microphones, but uh, I, I also refer to them as ultrasound microphones sometimes, so that, that's quite all right. But, but the, the, the difference, what's new about these is that uh, they are connected to a computer or tablet or a smartphone uh, through the USB port, so USB microphones would, would be correct. You mentioned earlier when you were talking about the D1000 that it had a, a really fantastic microphone that had a fairly flat uh, response across a wide range of frequencies. Yeah, and um, that is not the microphone that you're using on these machines, correct? Do you want to do a comparison between the the microphone on the D1000 compared to what you're doing here? Yeah. Do they compare? Yes, um, there certainly is a difference, of course. Um, these, these microphones uh, are commercially available. They, they, I mean, the, the microphone elements, the, the small elements are commercially available. And uh, they are very good. Uh, I know that some people regard these uh, both the M series and the U series of, of USB microphones as uh, very high performing, performing uh, microphones, but they are not quite as good as the D1000 microphone. Um, when we compare the flatness of, of a frequency response, uh, we often do that using the decibel. We say that the response is flat within uh, that many decibels and and when we I, I can give you a comparison the d1000 microphone is flat from um, 20 kilohertz up to 170 kilohertz I think within plus minus three decibels okay. uh, the m500 microphone is flat from 20 kilohertz up to 120 kilohertz within plus minus eight decibels. So there's a much larger variation with that one. Having said that, this still is a very good uh, microphone. So you're getting high quality from these devices. Wow. Uh, another thing that, that uh, I mentioned with the D1000 microphone is the noise level. And the noise level uh, of course, it's better with the D1000, but it's it's not bad with these microphones either. And in particular, I should emphasize that the, the new U series, the U256, the U384 uh, microphones that you see at the top here, have a very low noise level. So um, that that is uh, something to consider when you when you choose among these uh, different microphones. Of course, there, I mean, you see that the, size, the sizes are different, the way the microphones are connected to the smartphones are different. The, the upper picture shows how it's plugged into the, mic, uh, the smartphone directly. Yes. The lower picture shows uh, how it's connected uh, with a cable. There's also other differences. The, the U series is, uses much less power, so the batteries of the smartphone will, will last longer, and so okay. on. Okay. And the difference between the 256 and the 384, I'm assuming that's sample rate, yes? Uh, Correct. Yeah. So with the 384, uh, you're going to get, uh, you know, you're going to get a spectrogram that's going to allow you to see up to, well, half of 384 is 100 about 190 kilohertz, something like that. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Yeah, which uh, could be pretty important for the top end of, say, something like a Natura's uh, echolocation pulse, which might go up to about 140, 145. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and the 256. So the 256 is still probably still getting you up there. Um, but I suppose this is all to combat things like aliasing and stuff like that. Is, is, yeah. <clears throat> yes, that, that's, uh, I mean, aliasing is, is what happens when, when a signal frequency goes above 
have the sampling frequency. So, so that is something that we should avoid. And, and um, to avoid it, we, we use anti-aliasing filters in, in all of these models, but, but they, are, they are slightly different. The, the filters in the M series are, are more conservative, uh, which explains also why, why the uh, upper frequency range of, of the M series is, is uh, slightly lower than one might expect from, from the sampling rates that you mentioned. Okay, okay. And each, each of these designs then, uh, these work with any Android device, any tablet, any smartphone, or Apple, or do, do they work with Apple? I mean, what, what? I mean, if I'm sitting here with, uh, I don't know, an Android tablet and an Android telephone, uh, is it fairly guaranteed this is going to work, or is it just going to be specific models? Or the, yeah. Uh, talk, talking about Android devices specifically, uh, we, we cannot guarantee functionality with, with all models, actually. Uh, because, uh, and that is not depending on, on our microphones, but it, it's some kind of limitation with um, the, the sampling rates that can be used with these uh, devices. So um, uh, I, I would say that if we talk about the U256, uh, the chances that they will work with, with any Android device is, is quite high. If you move up to 384 kilohertz, then uh, one has to be a little bit more careful. But um, we have seen problems mainly with low-end Android devices and older Android devices. With newer devices, we haven't seen any, any problems. Okay. Uh, so I, I think that today things are, are pretty safe in that respect. Uh, you also asked about the iOS devices. Yes, they, they can. all of these microphones can be used with the iOS devices. It will require uh, a, an adapter, a cable adapter to, to the li lightning port. Uh, and also you would have to obtain suitable app from the respective app store for Android or for, for iOS. Okay. And... The app uh, that would include, for example, uh, Bats and Touch, is that available as an app? Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah Bats and Touch, that, that is one of our programs, and, and uh, that is only for Windows. So, ah. so it doesn't really, really apply to, to Android or, or iOS, and, and it's also not available at any app store. But you, you can download a free version from, from our website of, of the Bats on Light software. Oh. Okay, so the apps that work on the on the USB mics on an Android, for argument's sake, uh, are these specifically Peterson apps, or are these no, these are just normal? No, these, these, these are general apps, but but uh, I, I should say that there aren't that many. I, I can only uh, well, I can think of maybe two uh, Android apps and and one iOS app that that will work for this. But, but if we talk about other operating systems, I mean, it, you can use Linux, you can use um, Mac OS X, you can use Windows. Um, th then you have a variety of, of different programs that, that can be used, not, not only our bad sound programs, but other sound, sound recording and sound analysis uh, programs can be used. Okay, okay. So this is about sound touch though. So as you, as you suggested then a few a minute or two back, this is a, this in effect is your own designed interface to go on um, a machine that's getting used in conjunction with one of these USB microphones. Um, I've never actually used that sound touch, so um, so I'm really interested to hear all about it. I mean, I, I mean, you plug in the microphone, you switch on the software, and you start seeing uh, the back calls in lifetime. I'm assuming, as opposed to time expanded time. Yeah. I, I'm assuming you can stop the screen and scroll back, and save the files as .wavs, full spectrum .wav files. Yeah. 
Yeah. Is everything I've seen right. there accurate? Would you like to absolutely, expand? Yeah. Absolutely accurate. Yeah, yeah, you got it right. So, so you you can you can watch the the, the bad calls in in uh, real time uh, while it's scrolling o o over the screen. You can make recordings at the same time. You can you can while you are recording, you you can actually stop the the scrolling over the screen and zoom in on on certain interesting portions, uh, and then it, it will just continue. Uh, so, so this is mainly intended for for uh, displaying the the bat calls and for recording them. It, it, but some touch is not mainly intended for for analysis. Of course, you can you can look at the spectrograms and see what the frequencies are, but, but uh, it, it hasn't it doesn't have that many features as, as the standard bat sound software. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And if if you had one of these microphones plugged into a device using that sound touch, what would you actually hear? Would you be hearing it in heterodyne frequency division? Uh, how would you be listening to it? Um, it, it, it would be, um, oh, I don't know if, if, uh, if there is a name for, for that conversion method, but it's, um, we, we use a, a downsampling method to make it audible. And uh, that, that is something uh, similar to uh, uh, using, if, if you can think of a heterodyne detector that is tuned at several frequencies at the same time, then you got this method. So, so it doesn't require tuning, uh, but you will cover, you'll cover the, the entire frequency range at the same time. <laughs> say say you, you had 10 different heterodyne detectors in front of you and you tune each of them to, to a different frequency so, so that altogether they, they cover the entire frequency range. Then you got the, what you have here. And, and I can also say that if, if we look at the Android app, which is called Bat Recorder, uh, it does have this auto heterodyne tuning feature. Okay. It has several other uh, methods. It has frequency division, uh, too, so so you can use. It's quite a versatile versatile app. So so it's a good one. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Right, what's next? What's next? Now, now for something. This is this is a bit different now. So so far we've been talking about bat detectors, and recording bats, and uh, software programs for analysing and looking at uh, looking at you know acoustics. This is like doing the opposite thing. Okay, this isn't recording information. This is this is a speaker. Um, Lars, do you want to tell us what the L400 is and how it can get used? Yeah. Yes, the L400, that, that is an ultrasound speaker, as you understand. Uh, and uh, you use it, uh, then the main purpose of, of the L400 is uh, being used as, as a bat lure. Uh, you would then use pre-recorded bat calls. Uh, for instance, if you have a digital recorder, you can plug it into uh, the, the speaker and, and play these sounds to the bats and, and uh, presumably uh, attract the bats to this area. Um, you, you can also use it for... for uh, practicing how to use a heterodyne detector or, or detectors in, in, in general, uh, you would then play bat calls through the speaker. You, know, you can use it indoors, of course, um, to, and have the audience to, to listen to the bat calls from the speaker through their uh, bat detectors. Uh, so, so it can, can be used for, for, for teaching purposes as well. Yeah, wow, wow. Um, Okay, so I think we've gone through quite a range of uh, products there, Lars. Are you enjoying yourself? Has this been okay for you? <laughs> absolutely. Very nice talking to you. No, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Where do you see the future uh, in terms of, you know, sound acoustic technology going? Just generally, uh, and doubly core within, within Peterson, you know, without giving away any uh, commercially sensitive information, have we kind of reached as much as we need to do in terms of being able to record 
things like that now? Is there something else out there that we're not doing yet that 10 years from now we'll look back today and say, oh my goodness, um, I wish we were doing this type of recording 10 years ago. I mean, have you any, any thoughts on, on that? Yeah. Well, I, I'm sure things will happen. I'm sure things will happen, but, but prediction is very difficult especially if it's about the future, as they say. Yes. So <laughs> I, I, I tend to stick to that. <clears throat> but but uh, I mean, technical advances will, will happen. Uh, if, if we, for instance, uh, MEMS microphones, which is a, a microphone technology, which is, well, relatively new, they, they were more or less useless just a few years ago. But recent advances in technology have, have led to MEMS microphones that are very good today. And the, the microphone we are looking at right now, the U series of USB microphones, indeed use a MEMS microphone, which actually offers excellent sound quality, very low noise. So this kind of uh, technological advances will happen, I am quite sure. Um, we, we, we talked about, if we talk about uh, things for, for, for Peterson Electronic specifically, we, we, we previously talked about um, the, the auto classifi classification software and, and that is probably something that, that will happen here uh, in, in some time. Um, one, one thing that, that I think will become more common is um, remote access. If, if you have uh, an unattended recording station somewhere remotely located, uh, you may want to have access to that station remotely from, from your office. And uh, there are such systems today, but uh, this kind of remote access can be achieved very easily using common uh, remote desktop applications. And we, we have tried this with, with our USB microphones. You, of, of course, in order to, to use this technology, you have to have access to, to power and internet access at, uh, at the remote site, which is a limitation, of course. But if you have that, then you have all, all chances of using uh, a PC located at the recording site and, and the remote desktop app. And, and that uh, we have tried that with, with our USB microphones and it works just beautifully. So, so I think we will see more, more of, of that in, in the future. Yeah, I mean, if we, could, if we could all anticipate the future, we'd all be millionaires, wouldn't we? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but I, I, I say to some people that, uh, and, and I wouldn't necessarily uh, say this to yourself with your products, but, but uh, I get asked quite a lot, to, I'm not quite sure, you know, lots of people ask lots of people these things, but I, I get asked quite a lot by uh, people, you know, the, the manufacturers, what do you want us to do next uh, in terms of the bat detector for argument's sake? And, and at the moment, I almost feel as if the bat detectors, in terms of uh, being able to record the bats, are, are pretty much capable of doing what we need them to do. But the things that I tend to focus on when I'm talking to manufacturers is, you know, I'm interested in battery life and is the thing waterproof? You know, will it break? <laughs> um, you know, these sort of things. Um, because you can have, you can have a fabulous machine that does a hundred thousand different things in a matter of seconds. But uh, if the microphone snaps off or it runs out of battery or you can't use it, if you get a little bit of rain, uh, these are the things that I find a bit more frustrating. Um, do, do you want to comment a little bit on how you think about those things in terms of your own products? Uh, it's... Yeah, I, I agree fully. And, and uh, I mean, robustness is, is very important. 
I, I think that uh, our products are already quite robust, but we are indeed making um, developments towards uh, making them even more robust and, and more uh, forgiving against uh, harsh environments and, and bad weather and, and so on. Uh, you mentioned um, uh, that uh, the, the performance, the technical performance of bat detectors today probably is uh, good enough. And, and uh, probably it is, but it, it, it's interesting to note that if you increase the sensitivity of a microphone, if you lower the noise of the microphone, it can listen to sound farther away. And in many cases, one wants to cover a, a large area with as few microphones as possible. And then it becomes important that you can make recordings at a long distance. So, so that, that can be, we can still have some work to do there <laughs> in okay. that area. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I, I agree fully that, that perhaps uh, the bat detectors today can do a lot of fantastic things. But, but uh, that, that may be enough. But, but the fundamental things like the, the underlying sound quality, uh, I, I don't, I, I think we can work on that for, for quite some time yet and make it better. Wow, brilliant. That's, 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 a, that's an amazing perspective. Thank, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Right, so I think we're almost going to wrap things up now, ladies and gentlemen. Lars, you know something, this has been a total pleasure and enlightening and informative. You know, I love doing these talking back interviews and uh, today I have especially enjoyed doing today's interview. And uh, for me, as I said at the beginning of the interview, it's been a special day because it's the first time I've ever got to see you and speak to you directly. So it's a day that's going to stay with me for uh, some time to come, I'm sure. So uh, to kind of just finish things off, I just want to say, Lars, a huge thank you for uh, spending time with us today. And anybody that's listening to this at some point in the future, got the website. And, um, and I know for a fact that Peterson, when you correspond with them, uh, they are very receptive and very uh, customer service orientated as an organization. So never be afraid if you've got an issue with anything that Peterson have done, just to contact them. Okay, you don't need to put it up on social media. <laughs> just contact Lars or one of his team and you'll probably find that you'll have the answer uh, pretty quickly and very concisely. Uh, anything you want to say before we finish off, Lars? Well, thank you very much, Neil. It has been an equally great pleasure for me as well to talk to you today. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this Talking Bat interview, which is an edited, audio-only version of the original video session. The full version, including video, is available via Betability Club, our online training platform. To find out more about Club, go to betability.co.uk. Till next time, thank you. Thank you.